to Hustle and Pro, talking sports from youth to pro. We're bringing you compelling stories from athletes, coaches, professionals, and fans, all with the common thread of sports. I'm your host, Kelly Walker, coming to you from Visual Learning Solutions in Frisco, Texas. Y'all know that I love my FC Dallas soccer. I'm wearing my FC Dallas shirt today. So this episode is, I'm hoping, a cathartic session for me, kind of wrapping up this past season that we just finished, putting it behind us and, and moving forward. Our guest is Buzz Carrick. He's been blogging and podcasting since 1997, and he covers Texas pro soccer, including FC Dallas and North Texas SC. Welcome to Hustle & Pro, Buzz. Hello, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for taking your time to join us. So just to kind of start, can you just tell everybody a little bit, um, I mentioned that you do podcasting and blogging on, on pro soccer, but um, what else do you do in the world of sports? Well, if you will call it my real job is in sports television. I uh, produce or direct mostly college sports, but also soccer and, and other things that come my way. I spent seven years working in NASCAR and I spent seven years in the NBA. So over my 25 year career, I've done pretty much everything there is. Um, it gives me a very unique sort of schedule. I don't work nine to five. Uh, so I, I have gaps in what I do, which allows me to do things like cover FC Dallas, go to practice, talk to players and coaches. Um, I'm passionate about soccer. I'm passionate about FC Dallas. So uh, what started out originally as a hobby for fun it has developed into a side hustle, if you will, uh, where we yeah. have Patreon for people to support us or, um, you know, we sell a little bit of tiny bit of merchandise that branded with our website and that kind of thing, you know, and a little bit of Google advertisement. So um, in, in the modern world, everything's a little gig economy and everything's freelance and you're always trying different things. So we've managed to turn uh, this hobby into a semi full fledged endeavor. And, and I think we cover FC Dallas better than anybody else uh, in the world. Yeah, I agree. Y'all do a great job. And I've met you probably four years ago or so, I feel like, um, at probably a media event, FC Dallas, and have mm. definitely followed and um, trusted your insight. And you always seem to have the scoop. So I kind of want to start there with your insight. So this 2021 FC Dallas season was the second worst as far as wins and points. And as far as goals against, right. it was the third worst in club history. So we all felt it. It was hard. Like I said, we want to not dwell on it and move on. So I want to talk about it one more time and get it out of there. But you're kind of known for your instant, like uh, three things that re your reactions after after matches. So tell me your thoughts on on the season now that we're done, and hopefully some silver linings and some opportunities to go from here. Sure. Well, uh, number one is the super negative, which is the as you mentioned the defense. Um, this is one of the worst defenses in the team's history. Uh, it's one of the worst defenses right now in Major League Soccer. That has not been true of late, just this season. Uh, and there was a combined uh, combination of injuries and age and declining skill, uh, and generally speaking, in the back end of the team, uh, and also some last-second personnel changes that did not quite pan out as they had hoped. Um, so that's hopefully a solvable issue that shouldn't be – difficult with a couple of changes and a couple, hopefully you hope people getting healthy again. Uh, the positive or number two, I guess, would be um, the emergence of the young players continues. It continues to be a case where the homegrowns that are coming through the team continue to be the guys you can rely on, the guys you can build around, the guys that are delivering performance after performance. Now, the downside of that, of course, is that sometimes they get sold on and that's likely to happen again this year. And the third positive is the absolutely unbelievable, remarkable story that is Ricardo Pepe uh, and the spectacular 
rise that he is on, El Trem, we like to call him. Uh, he's put had obstacle after obstacle placed in front of him as young players are. And by the age of 18, he's conquered every single one of them. And it's been a fascinating, fantastic story to cover along the way the last three or four years. Uh, and just today, he was named the MLS Young Player of the Year, which is what they do instead of Rookie of the Year, because these young kids, these teenagers are coming out of the academy. They're not exactly rookies, but uh, they, he's won the Young Player of the Year, only the second FC Dallas player to ever win that award. But that's super exciting, and it shows you uh, how uh, hyped up people are for him around the country, because it's been a remarkable story. Yeah, hype is a great word. I mean, there was so much hype around Pepe, and it made this season, that's definitely a silver lining. Um, watching him was so exciting. Um, I love, like, even just knowing him as a local kid, that's one thing, but then getting to watch his um, national team call-ups and getting interviewed on you know national media and watching him shine, I mean, he did great. Great representation of the FC Dallas club. So, okay, one of the things you mentioned was homegrown, so I do want to talk about that some more. I love the homegrowns. I, I have you know this front row seat with media and technically a 10th row seat with my season ticket that we've had for a decade. Um, so I love watching their careers kind of unfold. And when we talk about the strength of FC Dallas, um, the development system, I, I struggle with the tipping point of, I go from, I'm really proud and um, to have the best homegrown depth in the MLS to what's good for the club and is that how we're gonna win? And that's, that's I feel like a, an argument that a lot of people are having right now because while we have this strong system, we're not winning, obviously. So where do you sit on, on this topic? Well, generally speaking, uh, FC Dallas's academy and the progression of their players through the homegrown team has allowed them to be relatively successful in MLS compared to teams that do not take advantage of that. You know, the only way, there's three ways to get players in Major League Soccer, your academy, or you can sign free agents, or you can draft players. You have to take advantage of all three of those things in order to be at the very top end of this league. If you don't do one of those three, and it's arguable that Dallas has not done well with their signings, but because they use the homegrowns adequately, they've been able to be in the top half of the league year after year after year. They've only missed the playoffs eight times in their history. This is the eighth time they've missed. So they and people like Philly and Real Salt Lake, for example, have used the academy to bolster their clubs and keep themselves competitive. So that part is a win. Now, it's important to understand if you're new to soccer um, or new to soccer at this level, that only the very richest, richest clubs in the world, your equivalent to the Dallas Cowboys, for example, can keep everybody they want to keep. Everybody else in the world has to sell their very best players. You can even look at clubs that are, that are really good, like Borussia Dortmund, for example, but they're not rich enough to be able to hold on to guys. They sell players for hundred millions of dollars to other teams that are even in their own league. FC Dallas is not one of the richest teams in the world. They're going to lose their very, very best player pretty much every year. What you have to capitalize on is keeping the second or third or fourth best player that comes out of your academy and keeping some of those guys around. So far, that's guys like Jesus Ferreira or Paxton Pomacall or Brandon Cervania, guys mm -hmm. like that are, that are now looking like a cores of your team that you can hopefully build on long-term you are never going to be able to keep Ricardo Pepe. He's going to be too, too good. Justin Che is a guy. Chris Richards is a guy. These the number one prospect every year. You're never going to be able to keep them more than a year or two. It's just the nature of the sport. You have Even to find though, the middle ground. Yeah. Is it 
it's right though that I think just this week or maybe it was last week that Dan Hunt is saying, still saying like, we're keeping Pepe. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. We're keeping him. I mean, that's what, that's what ownership says things in the off season a lot. And that doesn't always yeah. come to fruition. And I know that's what everybody wants to hear right at this point um, is to keep players like him. But you mentioned, um, you know, FC Dallas isn't the richest team in the world. Okay. So, but then when you compare it to Dortmund, that is a completely different ball game yeah. really it feels like yeah. but are there other teams in the MLS like what where do we sit when we say okay FC Dallas isn't rich in the world but like what about with the MLS are there MLS teams that are able to hold on to their top players better than we do no okay. uh the MLS isn't generally speaking and the commissioners even said this is a selling league um you have to be able in order to hold on to these players you have to you have to remember that in their mind the, the equivalent to the NFL or the NBA is in Europe. And if you have ambition as a player to play at the very highest level, MLS is double A baseball. So, you know, there's always going to be this attractiveness to going to Europe and playing in, in the champions league and, and these kinds of things, the money that you're going to get paid as a player is significantly higher order of magnitude higher. If you can make it to the top. So in order to keep a player like that, you have to be able to add value to get, entice them to stay, which effectively means pay them enough money. So like right. for a kid like Pepe, for example, you'd have to pay him enough money for him to turn down the career trajectory he sees of the next 10 right. or 12 years of playing at the highest levels of Europe. That's almost impossible to do for a club in Major League Soccer who doesn't have the revenue stream, particularly because the Hunts who run this team uh, as a legacy for their father, Lamar, they're very interested in the long-term survivability of this team they're not going to dump money down a well they they want to run a relatively budget conscious balanced money in money out kind of franchise that's their prerogative as owners of the team they do not spend right. at the top level of this league they're in the bottom third of spending in this league they have shown a willingness to do it if they really feel it's important like franco Hara gets paid about three million a year they do yeah, invest that, money in things like infrastructure and the academy and things like that they just don't spend gobs of it on players. So it's very, very difficult for the Hunts to keep a kid like Pepe long term. Now, Dan will say that they want to keep him for next year because, A, I want to sell tickets. I want to ride the hype of this kid. Uh, also, negotiating power. If clubs are looking at him, oh, no, no, we're keeping him. you got to pay to get him. It's all part right. of the process. More than likely, Pepe's going to be gone this winter. There is a school of thought that it would be good for him to stay here because he would be guaranteed to start for the next year leading up to the World Cup, which is a big deal. So you could right. convince him of that, perhaps. Only Dan and Clark and Pepe and Pepe's agent are gonna know really what's going on and if that's really something in the cards or not. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I can't wait to see how it plays out. Obviously, selfishly, I would like him here. But for him, I mean, like you said, it is, it is a stepping stone in the trajectory that he could have a big career. So. Um, yeah, it's fine if he chooses to go. Good for him. Yeah, I want to talk more him. about this. I want to talk more a little bit about um, how some contracts are set up and NTSC, how this plays into it also. But sure. first, um, we're going to pause for a quick break. A word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. We'll talk about NTSC a little more and some player contracts. This episode is sponsored by the Texas Legends. The Texas Legends bring exciting family fun and basketball to Frisco. Legends games at Comerica Center are great for kids, families, parents, adults, businesses, and friends of all ages. 
Each home game features a jersey supporting a different local charity, plus activities for kids, as well as suite level space for groups or entertaining. Tickets to home games are on sale now. Go to TexLegends.com, that's T-E-X-L-E-G-E-N-D-S.com to grab your tickets to experience the Texas Legends. We're back with Hustle and Pro talking with Buzz Carrick about the recent conclusion of the FC Dallas season. Um, we talked a little about the, the system and how FC Dallas is known for bringing players up through the academy. Um, so then talk to me, Buzz, about what that means as far as the strength of North Texas Soccer Club in TSC. Um, and they've had a successful year. So um, is their success an indicator for future first team success, do you think? It can be uh, in three ways. And it, right now it's functioning in a positive manner in two of the three ways. The first is that uh, it's a chance for players from the first team who are not getting a lot of minutes to go down and to get fitness or to progress their game. We've seen guys like Brian Reynolds or Brandon Cervanio or Edwin Cerillo, Thomas Roberts have gone down there and used that those performances to progress themselves and, and, and get forward in terms of their own ability and then bring it back to the first team and play at a higher level. That's a positive. Number two, uh, they, they use it as a stepping stone from the academy in the sense that they bring up amateur players, teenagers, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids, and they play them in the North Texas team. They're playing 15 to 18-year-old kids against adults that are 25 to 30 to 32 years old, guys that are fighting to put food on their family's tables, and these teenagers are playing against them. That's a punch in the mouth, if you will, and you have to react to that, and it's such a wonderful tool for these kids to challenge them like that. And that's the very best players in the academy use that to progress themselves again. The one way so far it's not progressing is we've yet to see a player other than Pepe, and he doesn't count, sign with North Texas and then play a year or two there and progress themselves and jump to the first team. So far, it's only homegrowns who are the very tip of the top of the talent from the academy that have gone there sort of as a midway point. We haven't seen somebody use it who wasn't, who was a bit of an outsider to become a player that can be an MLS. So that one little gap is still there, but there's guys that are looking like they might have a chance to do it. And it'll come eventually. Eventually there'll be a kid that'll use that springboard that we won't have expected to be a star player that'll become a star player. Eventually it'll happen. It just hasn't happened yet. So that's a, that's a good point. I think of it as more of a develop, an extra piece for development of the players that are already here. But even if that piece wasn't there, they'd still be in our academy system and, and developing up through the first team. So I didn't, yeah. I've never thought about that way, that gap where outsiders yeah. come in. So I do want to ask you about that. So um, like NTSC signed guys from open tryouts and I'm curious, like, where are they coming from? I know you said they haven't, it hasn't, yeah. it hasn't shown long-term success with that, but like, where are guys coming from, from NTSC if they're not our homegrowns? Yeah, they're looking for diamonds in the rough, if you will. So they're taking in players on loan from foreign countries, from lower division teams. they got a couple of kids from Portugal that are there right now. They've, they've got some kids that have come in from Korea on trial. They've got a kid from Brazil in that's on the team right now. And the other thing they're doing is they're using these open tryouts, as you say, and they're literally signing high school age kids or high school graduates who have been outside the academy system. The two most uh, exciting success stories, or three most exciting success stories. This is a kid from Amarillo who was playing basically just high school soccer that they signed. That it looks like he's got phenomenal upside. There's a kid from San Antonio that was playing for 
sort of a middle tier club in San Antonio that they found um, that looks like he's got some potential, although not quite of the other two. Uh, and then there's a kid from Africa uh, who they saw playing in the Dallas Cup, playing for a team that's like a a, a, a team that's run by. Um, well, I, I shouldn't say because I'd be guessing. I don't remember who it's run by, but it's a team that's designed to give opportunities to young African players who are not part of these big gigantic clubs. And they spy this kid playing in the Dallas Cup when he was 16, and they invited him. He actually trained with the first team for a couple of months and had to go back home. Uh, because he wasn't old enough. And when he was 18, Dallas signed him to a three-year contract in North Texas. So these are these diamonds in the rough they're looking for that they're going to try and give two or three years. And this is the gap. These are the guys yet we've seen to pay off. But uh, there's four or five there that are very interesting that have a chance over the next year or two to make this progression that they're looking for and jump up to an MLS level. And then you'll see that third component of North Texas be fulfilled. And a couple of these kids have a lot of promise and are really exciting, but they're just super raw. I love that though that there are they're finding the the diamonds in the rough that aren't yeah. seeing the normal path and the normal path isn't easy either. I'm not I'm not saying that, but um, I just love that there are other players out there getting a chance to play up through a system like NTSC. Real quick, I want to ask you. I've heard it might have been probably from you. Um, MLS two mm. contracts that are going to kind of change a few things with contracts, and then yeah. the notion of protect the investment. Um, can you give me just like a snippet on what that means? Sure. Protect the investment is a term that we use in the media. Um, that is when you sign a homegrown player who's really young and really exciting and you think that European clubs are all going to be all over this kid, you sign him before he's ready to contribute to the first team. You're protecting your investment. This, this happened because they lost Weston McKinney, who's obviously one of the best American players in the world right now. They didn't get him because they didn't do that. So you're talking about your Brian Reynolds, your Paxton Pomichols. You're talking about guys that you're signing at 15, 16 years old who need three okay. more years of progression before they can contribute to the first team. So there's a bunch okay. of kids in the academy that you might want to do this with because you don't want to lose them to Europe when they turn 18 like Weston McKinney. That's what a protector investment signing is. The other half of that uh, component is the changing nature of the reserve league. MLS has announced an MLS two league, a reserve league. Uh, it's basically going to be exactly like USL one, which is where North Texas soccer club plays, except that it'll be under the control of major league soccer. Now they have not announced any of the specifics of how it's going to work other than it's coming next season, but they've started telling the kids in the Academy how it's going to work. So the kids and their parents know, which is how I know, they're, they're talking about what they call an LDL contract. Is this, I don't know what LDL means. My guess is lower division loan or something. The idea is that okay. the, all the contracts for this new league will belong to Major League Soccer like MLS contracts do. Many people may not know that MLS is a single entity. So you sign a contract with the league, not FC Dallas directly. That's a technicality. What it means that North Texas's contracts will now be with the league is that you'll be able to sign a unified contract, perhaps for four or five seasons that might be like two seasons at North Texas and then two mm -hmm. or three seasons at FC Dallas. This creates a connectivity from the two organizations into one organization officially on paper now. It was always that way unofficially, but now it's going to be official. And they've missed out on players because there are guys that are like, I don't want to sign a North Texas USL contract. I'm not doing that. 
Well, now you'll right. have this unified contract through the whole system changes the nature of how North Texas works. And that's really exciting if you're into this development homegrown pathway methodology, because it will be more enticing to players who at 18 years old, perhaps, or 15 years old or whatever, want some of this security of show me the pathway to the pro team, show me where I'm going to be, lay out the plan for me. And to have it in contract that way is different. And that's exciting and should be very interesting yeah. to young players. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize all that structure. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, thank it's you. complicated and so, overly detailed, but it's a big change. It's a big difference. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, it, it, and we saw that in baseball um, with the way contracts were held within um, affiliates in the AA and AAA system up through. That changed, um, I think, after they came back from COVID shutdown. It, it changed and it does it impacts the way players move and stay and go. And so that's, it's important. Um, and I didn't know all that background. So, okay. One last thing I want to talk to. Sorry, bud. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say it's a perfect analogy to baseball developmental. Like if you're at Frisco, but your contract is with the Rangers versus your contract is at Frisco with the double A team. That's a big difference, yeah. right? Between those two kinds of, it's exactly the same as that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's shifting. So I guess it's no surprise yeah. that MLS is, is shifting also. All right. So um, before you go, so you break down who stays and who goes, and there's a lot of movement, obviously. Yeah. yeah. We talked about Pepe and we've talked about some of these things. Um, like, gosh, Pepe, Ricarte, I've already heard that there's like instantly, I think the day after the regular season or the our season ended, um, that he was, his name was on the list of people who are leaving and um, Brian Acosta and we saw big, big movement with Reggie. Feels like yesterday, but I mean that was already a se- last a season ago, right? So I just want to get your thoughts. Um, first of all, do you know the latest with kind of the Reggie rumors that like we're still waiting on transfer fees, and, and what have you heard there? And then also just in general, do you expect a larger than normal transfer um, this off season, or is this just par for the course? And there's always this is uh, this is normal. The deal with Reggie was that for a while Dallas was not receiving any money uh, for him. Now I, I'm I'm un, I don't know the 100% details behind this one, but transfer fees are often paid out over time. Uh, so right. Dallas has received some money because Boa Vista was finally allowed to register players. They had been blocked from registering players because they hadn't paid anything for Reggie or for Montes Ellis from uh, the Dynamo. Um, so Dallas has gotten in some money. I don't think it's all of it. I think they still owed a bunch there, but at least there's enough flowing now that they were let Bo go forward. Um, in terms of Dallas being outbound, there's always going to be five, six, maybe even 10 players turnover any given year because of contracts run out, guys get older. You have Pepe's going to be sold probably. Uh, don't discount Jesus Ferreira being sold. That kid's playing some amazing soccer. His agents are much more quiet and behind the scenes and experienced. Pepe's agents are blabbing everywhere. Ferreira's are not. That doesn't mean that they're both not likely potentially to be sold or not. You never know. We'll see. But Jesus has but grown up he, in this world. And so, his yeah, he's yeah. playing a different game, right? Yeah. Right. His his contract is weird. He has no options. It just ends because they his people wanted him to be able to go. His dad is from uh, Colombia. Jesus is, was born there. He has a larger worldview than a lot of these guys. He's a guy more mercenary-like, if you want that word. He doesn't have that Paxton Pomical, I want to be a star here kind of statements out there. So right. I'm not saying Jesus is leaving. I'm saying it's possible given the season he's had. 
and the attention he's getting, getting back into the national team, that elevates his profile. It opens some doors. Um, yeah. In terms of the team itself, the team is so bad right now. When you finish where you finish and you have a coach get canned and really no bets are off in terms of player changeover. Now, Dan Hunt right. and Andre Zanata, who's technical director, said that the team is close. I don't know, man. When, you're, when you are the next to the bottom of the league, there's going to be a larger amount of turnover, in my opinion. So now who's gone is the reason you heard about Ricarte is he had a buy option. that His loan is ending at the end of the season, and he had a buy option. So back home it was reported the buy was turned down. Same with Philippe, the goalkeeper. He had a buy option this winter. It's been reported in South America that it was turned down. Freddie Vargas also loaned this season with a buy option. Uh, the little he played after the first five or six games, I doubt they're going to buy him. So those are obvious. Uh, you have some bigger high price guys that are getting older whose contracts are up, like Rasan's contract's up, but he has an option. But you have a bad defense and you have three older center backs. Somebody's got to go. And the other two are under yeah. longer deals. You can't get rid of them. Uh, Brian Acosta, no one's ever reported his deal. But if he has a standard deal, three plus two, that means he's up. He's not performing at a DP level. You, you know, when you when you have an underperforming team like this and you have contracts that you can't get out of, like Frank O'Hara, uh, Jose Martinez, Matt Hedges, who we love, but he's now 31. You know, right. there's gonna be it, there's gonna be changes yeah. around here that we're not seeing coming that are, you know, a new coach is gonna dictate some of that. Yeah, and that's a whole nother thing. We don't even talk about today the new coach. Um, I've heard rumors yeah. and there's 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 no telling yet until they announce it. Um, but but I guess when you're, like you said, when you're as bad as you are right now, let's yeah. let's change it up and see what happens next year. It can only pretty much yeah. only go up from there. Um, maybe we'll at least be a not the best, worst Texas team next year. Be better than that. Um, so thank you. There's so much there. So I love your insight and um, all of your input. And I know you have firsthand knowledge of all this. And so you work hard. And thanks for all the coverage that you do for pro soccer here in Frisco and Texas. Um, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Hustle & Pro. Have you subscribed yet? You can find us on your favorite podcast, podcast platforms. And now you can watch us uh, because we're on YouTube. Join us on Instagram and Twitter also. However you do find our show, please like and comment, review and share. It's easy and it's free. It means a lot to us. It helps us out a lot. We will see you for the next episode of Hustle & Pro.